<clears throat> I should have done it before I hit record. <laughs> oh, And welcome to episode 49 of the Massive Attack podcast. 49? Yeah, it's getting there. Wow, well, yeah. most One podcasts month. die at six, isn't it? Do they? Isn't there an average they worked out that most podcasters last six episodes? So we've done all right. Doesn't well, matter that people aren't listening. Considering we're monthly, if, yeah. if we were a weekly podcast and we'd done 49 episodes, that would only be a year. Yeah. But yeah, we're monthly and we're now what? We started in 2012, I think was our first episode. But it's not actually 49 episodes, is it? Because there are 12 days of Christmas specials. No, it's more than that. It's like 70-something. Yeah. It's 49 plus 24 plus one extra special one we did, I think, on Borderlands or something. Did we do it? I don't know if that was a numbered episode. I don't know. Anyway, we've rambled for a minute already and we've only just started. But I am Joe. With me, as always, is Mitch. Yes, that's me. It is. It is me. You look at me doubtingly. No, it's me. I guarantee it. Doubting Thomas. (laughs) No, you're doubting Anthony. Yeah. Anyway, shall we jump in? Sure. let's, let's, Let's go. Let's mix it up a little. Let's mix it up. Yeah. We'll talk TV to start with, shall television. we? Television. Have you been watching television? <laughs> Boy, have I. Yes. <laughs> no, well, it, all the shows are starting back. So we've got Flash, we've got Arrow, we've got Agent Carter, we've got Legends of Tomorrow. But I've talked about a lot of them before, so I will talk about the Agent Carter because it's sort of new. It's okay. season two of the show, which is great because it's set in LA now. It's a bit LA confidential-ish and it's kind of funky. And the fact that it's only 12 episodes long or 8 episodes long means they don't have to drag the shit out, which is the best thing about these shows. That just seems to be the standard these days, though, to have a 10 or 12 episode series. It's, it's, it should be. It should be the standard. It makes for better shows. Um, and the other one is Legends of Tomorrow, which is DC's short-run series, which is essentially Doctor Who in the DC universe. Well, that's new, so maybe we should jump into that a little yeah, bit more. Like that. And that is being shown here on Fox 8. They're fast-tracking it from the States, so if yeah. you've got Foxtel, you could probably watch it. Now okay. you're watching it not through Foxtel, obviously. Not through Foxtel, no. Okay. Other legal means. That's good. Yeah, yeah, it, it's great. It's a spin-off of Flash and Arrow, and it, it's got a bunch of characters from that show. It's got Firestorm, Hawkman, Hawkgirl, Captain Cold, Heatwave, The Atom, and White Canary, and they're basically plucked from our timeline by Rory from Doctor Who, who is a time master. He's Rip Hunter, and he's got a spaceship that goes through time, and he's chasing Vandal Savage. So they're going, so far we're four episodes in, they've gone back to the 70s to try and catch him then, and they've just jumped to the 80s, and there is an episode where they go back to the Wild West, and they catch up with another DC character, Jonah Hex. Oh, cool. He's a cowboy, and there is word that they are jumping forward in the future and we might get the Dark Knight Returns version of Arrow where he's got one arm and dishevelled and grumpy and all this sort of stuff so it's like it's 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 great and it's pretty much Doctor Who like okay. with the time travelling element of it and they don't get along so it's it's yeah, it's, it's fun and it's big. Like, the action scenes are really huge. Like, if I watched this as a movie back in 15 years ago, I was like, these are really good. But that's just what you can do with TV now. It's amazing. Yeah, I saw the trailer for it because Foxtel were pushing it quite hard before it started, being the fact that they are fast-tracking it. And I was kind of tempted, but I haven't actually got around to it. I probably could go back because I think they have it on catch-up episodes. It's only short. Like, like I said, I think it's only like 12 episodes at the most at this point. Hmm. It's, it's fun. But they're all kind of second string B-level characters. They're legends. Okay. Of tomorrow. The only one I really know is Firestorm, because he was in, like, Super Friends. You should know the Atom. Probably. He gets small. Ah. 
Not like Apache Chief who no. can't get big anymore because he spilled his coffee. Yes, on his lap lap. <laughs> and is Firestorm still two people in one? Yep. Maybe I should watch it. Yeah. I always just like Firestorm. He was I liked him too. I'm now looking back, it's like, that's a really funky outfit. But at the time, I thought it was the coolest. It was a cool figure. Yeah. It was not quite Green Lantern cool Nothing's figure. Green Lantern cool. No. Hmm. So, yes, maybe that's I should check that TV. Okay, yeah. that's not much. I've been watching, as you said, there's a few things that have started again, so I've been watching that. There's a new season of Steve Austin's Broken Skull Challenge. Yep. Just started in the States, and I think we're about five episodes into that now. Pretty much the same as other series is. They've upped the intensity of the Skullbuster Challenge at the end. They've made it a little bit harder, but they had one dude breeze through it in six minutes and won his 10 grand, and no one's been able to do his time since. So that's pretty good, which is, it's... Actually, it's good because the guy that did it last season, I think he went undefeated the whole season. So it's good that they finally had someone that can beat him. Because when they come back from a new season, they get the returning champion to give it a try and set a benchmark time. But yeah, it's kind of fun. They've had a lot of just dickhead people on in the guys episodes. You know, tattooed meatheads that are into their CrossFit. And last episode with the guys, they actually had a bunch of very clean cut, no tattoos, sort of basic normal people that weren't over the top muscle heads well they were they were muscly but they weren't over the top but yeah still fun still good stuff to watch in the background so is it how much austin do you get you get enough austin and you get enough austin isms yeah so he will sit and kind of it's obviously adr that he's put over the top but he talks to the guys or the girls in the girls episodes before each event and sort of uses his typical austin's expressions but then when he's kind of commentating the events, he'll be like, oh, he's lollygagging and, you know, cattywampus and all those other big okay. Texas redneck words that he uses. It's toned down, I guess, as far as TV goes, because it's on network TV, so he can't swear. Occasionally, he does let rip and they'll just bleep it. <laughs> but it's it's all right. Like, my wife's not a wrestling fan and she watches it. I think she thinks that Austin's got a bit of charisma, so she enjoys it. Yep. But it's fun. It's like any other Wipeout, American Ninja Warrior, only it's set... In dirt. So when they fall off something, they hurt themselves. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it's fun. I enjoy it. Fair enough. Meaningless stuff. A couple of other things that I have started watching that I hadn't watched previously, speaking of competition-type shows, after watching a couple of little clips over here when you've had it on in the background, I am now hooked on Great British Bake Off. (laughs) I I don't know what it is, but Foxtel have just started a new season, so I thought, start from the beginning. There's something about it. Like, it's nice. Like, My Kitchen Rules just started here, which is a big rating success in Australia, and it's it's shit TV. It's it's a cooking show, competitive cooking show, where you you start, you, you, you have rival teams come over, you're in pairs, you cook for them, and two, two chefs who are judges, and you put all your meals out there, and you get judged, and you get scored. Yep. And everyone goes and does it in their own turn, and then you get eliminated. The bottom score gets eliminated. But it's bitchy and assholey. Like, everyone just bitches about the other ones. It's like, oh, I wouldn't have done it that way. I didn't like that. And it's just shit. And it's all about the competitiveness, where I actually do like MasterChef, where it is a competitive show. But everyone's cooking in the same kitchen. They present it to the judges, and those judges, you know, decide who goes and who doesn't. Yep. And it's the food does the talking. There's nothing else in it. They might push a sob story every now and then on someone. They'll tear up because they've lost a brother or something in the last six months. But apart from that, it's it, 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 as far as you can tell, the food is it. Yeah, and that's what I like about Great British Bake. Yeah, but where this My Kitchen rules is, is it's all about the story. It's all about who can be bitchier, who can come up with a snarky comment about the other person's food. And it's sort of like, it's not about the food now. Yeah. It doesn't matter, and I don't care for this. I mean, people do like snarky shit, obviously. But yeah, Great British Bake Off is no snarky at all. It's, it's lovely. 
it's it's just everyone's just so friendly there except is, Skeletor. I was going to say Mary Berry, the female judge, <laughs> yeah. is a little bit judgmental sometimes. She's allowed to be, and she's old. Well, exactly. She's very much an old school English cooker baker baker yes but she's like got her own cooking shows and she's written cookbooks and she is very old school mm. and every time she eats one of the bakeries <laughs> all I can think of is you making that <laughs> eating sauce of children yeah, and, that, and that scene from Dark Crystal where they, they suck the life out of the girlfriends <laughs> it just reminds me of that but one thing I, I think is probably better in Great British Bake Off as opposed to these other things is they have an idea of what they're cooking. They, they cook three things in each episode. One of them, they get told, do their interpretation of you know, yep. Madeira cake or whatever. But then the masterclass that they do is they have to cook what they're told to cook. Based so, on a recipe. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah. don't know what it looks like because it's just a recipe. Yeah, yeah, so so far we've had like almond biscotti and we've had, um, I think there's some sort of cake in the first episode and then they made baguettes this week when they had the bread episode uh-huh. and everyone had to make the baguette so there was no you know some person does their own interpretation they get to do that in the other rounds but at least there's one round where yeah, everyone makes exactly the same thing yeah, level and thing. some people are really good at some sort of pastries some people are really good at breads and some yeah. yeah cakes or whatever so I mean it, everyone gets to the same level which is good although it's funny you talk about personalities the very first episode of this season there was like this hipster douche guy that was wearing this like vintage shirt with metal collar tips and all this sort of stuff and some sort of them back in the night a trilby hat or something and he was a musician that was trying his hand at baking and yeah so they had to make i think it was a madeira cake and he made this jamaican madeira cake and put instead of having candied oranges on top or candied lemons you having a normal madeira cake he used like all these wanky tropical fruits and stuff and at the end of it i was like i hope he goes home and he did so oh, it, was, it was good Yes. Yeah, I'm fascinated by the show. One, because there's a lot of cooking shows where I don't, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, I don't eat a lot of food. I eat a lot of quantity of food. I don't eat a lot of variety of food. So when it comes to things like vegetables or like seafood, you know, I just don't touch we, them. We have mentioned your seafood phobia when we were doing our oh, review right. of um, Beasts of the Southern Wild. Yeah, so, so a lot of cooking shows I'm sort of fascinated by, but I'm not a chef or a cook amateur cook by any stretch so there's a lot of foods where I just don't care it's like like seafood I literally don't care so a lot of cooking shows deal with seafood and things like that and it's like yep yeah, not for me so I, I can't get into it as much but there's something about Great British Bake Off is I pretty much eat everything in that show because it's all baking bakery goods exactly yeah unless they make a tuna mornay cake or something well I don't think like they would yeah. yeah, so I'm more fascinated, but just the variety, like bread, like how much variety you can do with bread. Like you think it's a simple thing, but no, there's so many different ones. Yeah, well, as they had their bread episode, the last one that we were just watched, and they had a traditional type sweet bread, and actually an unleavened bread, so they had to make a bread with without yeast in it. And the variety of stuff they were making, and nearly everyone did a sweet one, and then one woman did a savoury one, and everyone was like, oh, that's a bit of a turn-up, and she ended up winning that round. With a turn-up? No, with a turn-up. Oh, right. But yeah, as you said, there's just so much variety. So far we've had cake, biscuits and bread, and we're only three episodes in, but nearly everything they cook, I sit there and go, oh, I'll do that, oh, I'll do that. So, yeah. It's, a, it's, it's a fascinating show, but they're also lovely. And Sue Perkins is great. Yeah, and I can't think what the other host's name is as well, but the, the two women that do the comedy relief hosting I find very entertaining. And Paul Hollywood and Mary Berry, the two judges, are quite good as well. 
Yes, skeletal. So, skeletal. Yes. Soul eater. She is. So yes, I, I highly recommend that, and it is on Foxtel, so it's easily available to most people who have. It's cable on TV. Netflix too. Is it? Not the new season, obviously. Oh, what a shame. There's old stuff. Hmm. Well, speaking of seasons, another thing I'm watching is Lucha Underground has returned for season two, and we've probably talked a lot about wrestling on here, but I like Lucha Underground because it's a bit of a different take on wrestling. It's like soap opera. Yeah, it is. It is produced by movie directors and stuff, so it's mini movies with wrestling chucked in. But the the first two episodes so far of this new season, the the opening vignettes have just been spectacular. Okay. They, they've been their own little movies about Vampiro being in a, a mental institution following on from the pay-per-view at the end, end of last season. And basically his doctor saying to him that he needs to stay on his meds and keep away from anything that's going to give him violent thoughts or anything like that. And it was just really well done. Okay. So yes, I enjoy that. And they've lost a couple of their stars because Alberto Del Rio, who was Alberto El Patron in Lucha Underground, has returned to WWE. But they're bringing in Rey Mysterio, who is probably one of the biggest names of Mexican wrestling to make it across into the States. Mm -hmm. So he hasn't actually wrestled yet, but he's turned up in a couple of little uh, backstage Okay. Bits. So cool. I'm quite excited for him coming. Excellent. And one other thing, we were talking about fake British game shows last month when I was mentioning Pointless and you were saying, is it celebrities? I'm still watching Pointless, but I've also now got hooked on another... I think I, I saw Pointless the other day. I've tried it twice. <laughs> so they put up a bunch of titles, like there's a screen and there's a bunch of questions or answers or something questions and you've got the groups of two people in teams that's right i never got past the explanation i I, I was so bored as i explained last (laughs) month it's kind of like reverse family feud where they've asked a hundred people an answer to a question and the contestants in the in the studio have to get the lowest answer that someone answered or an answer that's correct that no one's answered so if they've one of them we were watching the other day was Lily Allen Top 40 song, Sings Songles Singles? Songles yeah. Songles uh, Top 40 Songles <laughs> and basically everyone I'm saying basically a lot against nut. so everyone was dropping the you know the ones you'd expect that were Top 40 Singles but you get the fuck m- you no someone did no. actually say that but it was never officially released <laughs> as a single uh-huh. so he got the maximum 100 points for getting that wrong uh-huh. anyway but if if he'd have said say smile or what have you a lot of people would think that was a popular number one so a lot of people out of that 100 would have said it so you would have got a higher answer but something that she's maybe released that didn't do quite as well but still made the top 40 would get a lower score so the idea is the lower the score the better you get uh-huh. And if you get a pointless answer, which is an answer that no one said, obviously zero points, that adds 250 pounds to the jackpot, which the winner of the rounds goes on to a jackpot. But yeah, anyway. Didn't get it? No. Anyway. So we talked about pointless and you were saying, is it one of those celebrity fake game shows? Mm -hmm. And I said it wasn't. But now I've started watching one of those celebrity (laughs) fake game shows as UK TV is showing old episodes of Would I Lie to You? Yep. Which is two teams of celebrities, very talking English shit. talking shit. Yeah, so Making witty comments based li- on a question or statement made by the host or a card that they're given. <laughs> <laughs> and it is two teams. One is headed up by Lee Mack, who I knew from the sketch show back in the early two thousands, yep. who is a stand up comedian, mm-hmm. and David Mitchell, who was in Peep Show. Yep which I've never watched. He's been in a lot of things. He's very funny. I like David Mitchell a lot. He's that sort of toffee-nose, upper-crust sort of person, Mm -hmm. and they regularly make jokes about him not knowing how the the working class lives, and Lee Mack's very working class. But it's hosted by Rob Bryden, 
who was in The Trip with Steve Coogan. Uh, yep, yep. He's Steve Coogan's mate that he takes on holidays with him. Mm-hmm. And occasionally he pulls out his uh, impersonations. And okay. he does a very good impersonation of Ronnie Corbett. But something that I think you would like of it, Rob Ryden is Welsh, and they get a lot of Welsh guests on the show. Yeah, well, you and, uh, well except why you would like it, there is a lot of Welsh bashing on the show. <laughs> and every time they have a go at someone Welsh, it gives me a little chuckle for you of you. So, yes. <laughs> but the episodes that UK TV are showing, I think, are quite a few years old because you will see like other people that you know now from other shows. Like um, uh, Russell Howard turned up on one episode and he looked like he was about 14. He hosts Buzzcocks. Oh, does he? Which is the same show. Exactly. It's just a music-based version. Buzzcocks. quite interesting as the same show, but just with facts. Is that what QI stands for? (laughs) I never knew it was quite interesting. (laughs) Yes. So, yeah. yeah, When you look through, like Lee Mack and David Mitchell have been on this and they've also been on the like have you been paying attention or something like that the same show I don't know there is just like a plethora of these fake English game shows it's the same set you've got to go in the middle three people on each side yep yep it was Cox has been doing it for 30 years. Why not? Like, that won't long. And what, Spicks and Specs was pretty much a yep. homage to Nevermind the Buzzcocks. Mm-hmm. It's funny, though, because they try this sort of stuff in America every now and then. Like, a prime example would be Chris Hardwick's At Midnight. And yep. you just tell the difference between English humour and American humour, whereas English people seem to just... It just rolls out and nothing seems forced. Whereas on At Midnight, it's like everything it's, is... Everything's a punchline. Yeah. As opposed to having giving it time. Mind you, I mean, there is quite funny punchlines in the English stuff it's, it's quite zippy and you know punchy but I don't know this is the at midnight's just terrible the, the quality of the people are good like I've seen them do funny stuff but just that format just doesn't work yeah and Where, I, I, I think mean, quite interesting or any of those shows you do have a bit of time if you need it to get to the joke where at midnight you don't so everything has to be a zinger you don't have time to set up a zinger and it's just a bit too much where maybe you watch something like but Americans can do it because you watch whose line is it anyway that's true. And Which was a British idea in yes, the first place, anyway. With a lot of Americans and yeah. Canadians. Mostly Canadians. <laughs> yep. But um, they can do it. And they can be zingy and punchy. But mind you, one half hour or 22 minutes of Whose Lines Anyway is probably an hour and a half of yeah, taped TV and that they've got to pull down the best bits. Mm-hmm. Where... Australia do a similar show with having been paying attention. Yeah. And it's quite funny. Yeah, and there, and there was another one going around for a little while that was Generation Game or something. Talking about that. my generation. Yeah. Yeah, but that was more a game show. It was more literally a quiz show where they were putting questions funny and ones. challenges to them as opposed to tell us a funny anecdote or story. True. But they just happened to be comedians <laughs> who were very funny at the time. So they, they turned it into comedy and the host was ridiculously silly with Sean yeah. McAuliffe being, yeah. you know, off tap. So, yes. I mean, it was a good show, but yeah, it, not in that same format of everything else. But yeah. yeah. But what I like to use on every day on UK TV, so we've just got it set up on the uh, series link and just records. And then regularly in the week, my wife and I have one night where we just sit down and watch, you know, Three, four episodes in a row. English game shows. Like, I mean, going back to Pointless or whatever. Like, The Chaser, which we've got an Australian version now with all the talent from England coming over. Yeah. And is it Eggheads? Yeah. That is the worst. <laughs> like, my parents, I used to go over and they're watching us. Like, why are you watching this shit for? It's just the most boringest. But you've got, to, you've got to admit, though, English quiz shows, they started it all with Weakest Link. Yeah. With, you know, but at least they had the, snarkiness about exactly. it. Exactly. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I could quite easily sit down and watch English game shows. But Angus is like, <laughs> so dull. <laughs> Bunch of really toffee-nosed, entitled people who are really smart, who have no social skills, yeah. answering questions. 
Maybe that's why I like that. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah. But it's funny what you say, though. Would I Like You definitely falls into the trap of it's better with better contestants. Because yeah. there'll be the occasional episode where there'll be three people on it, well, two people on each side, and you don't know any of them. And they're not comedians. Like Actually, they had one the other week, and Phil Tufnell, the cricket player, was on there. Mm. And I wasn't expecting him to be any good, but he was great. And then there's other episodes where they've had, I think his name is Dara O'Brien. Dara O'Brien. He was on a couple of the early Charlie Brooker specials where he talks about video games and stuff. He's tall, big, bald. Yeah, he's an Irish comedian. He was on and he wasn't funny at all. No, because I watched his show. He had a science-based show. Dara O'Brien's science show, I think it was called. How appropriate. Yeah, it was quite good. Hmm. But anyway, that's They made meat out of proteins made from someone's stem cells. But anyway... That's what you expect from a comedy show in England, but anyway. Exactly. Mm. Did you ever watch that, uh, I think it was called the Slow Mo Guys or something show that they had on one of the science channels? No. It's like this this show and all they do is film something that looks you know pretty spectacular in fast motion, like a water balloon bursting. And then they'll just show it in super, super <laughs> slow motion and you can watch the second where the, or the millisecond where the balloon breaks and the water yeah. stays in shape for a couple of milliseconds before it bursts mm. and it's quite exciting but yeah they made a made a whole half hour show about that yeah english television for you anyway that's probably a nice place to wrap up television so we jump into a bit of gaming why not why not have you been gaming well i was just saying to you earlier that i haven't been playing a lot of gaming well i i've been gaming but i haven't really been doing productive gaming if that makes Mm -hmm. sense and i think i am moving away from being the sort of hardcore gamer and i'm now more of a casual gamer like everything I've been playing lately is something that you can just sort of play for a couple of minutes if you want, or you can play for a long time if you're so inclined. Yeah. I was playing Rage last month. Yep. And I've played a little bit more, but I just can't Not get into you. it. Mm. And I think that's sort of killed my love of game at the moment. <laughs> like I have been playing a few things on the Xbox, mainly the freebie titles for the last couple of months. They had Dirt Showdown. Mm-hmm. And I've liked the other Dirt games, so I thought, yeah, I'll give this a go since it was free. And that is mainly Demolition Derby type stuff, which is kind of cool, but gets very samey very quickly. So you don't really want to play a lot of it. So I'll jump in, have a couple of like events and then jump out. And then earlier this month, or the first part of this month, the freebie has been a game called Sacred Citadel, which is a side-scrolling platform beat-em-up kind of like Golden Axe. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was playing that on the weekend and my four-year-old came in the room and was like, what are you playing? Can I play? And I was like, okay. And then he jumped in and we played a couple of levels and he really liked it. And then my eight-year-old came in and went, oh, what are you guys playing? And we were like, well, it's this beat-em-up type game. And he played it. And now every night we do like a little bit of grinding on that before they go to bed. And it's just fun. It's just a a mindless button masher slashing, you know. Type stuff, and it's got to the point where my four-year-old now has made Lego figures out of the minifigures with samurai swords and axes to represent our characters in the okay. game. So it's kind of cool. Hmm. So yes, I'm breeding little gamers. <laughs> and other than that, you have almost cured my supercard and Candy Crush addiction <laughs> by now getting me addicted to WWE Champions. So we talked about it last month. Yeah. And for pure research to see how the game works, I decided I was going to download it on the iPad. And since then, I haven't looked back. And I don't think there's been a day where I haven't grinded half a dozen matches at least every day. More so on some days. Mm-hmm. Like when we get to movies, I was watching a movie earlier in the week and I sat there for a whole two hours of a movie just grinding games of uh, champions while we're at it. It's, it's a good game. 
I've been playing a lot of it still too, but the problem being, and well, before we recorded today, we noticed there was an update which may have fixed some of these things, but you stagnate quite a bit. Yeah. And you, you, you can only grind because until you get certain cards or level up to a certain point and you need certain tokens to get those level up, you can't do anything. You're stuck in the game. And that's where I've been for two weeks now. So all I can do is but grind. Mm. And my wife, as I mentioned before, who doesn't really like wrestling, she's now playing it on her iPad as well because she saw me playing it and she likes Puzzle 3 match, you know, match 3 games and she was a big fan of Puzzle Quest. And she saw it and she was like, oh, this is a bit like Puzzle Quest. Maybe I'll play and on the iPad Mini, it crashes tons. It's like she's got one character that's the kill switch. I think it's yeah. like her John Cena or something, where every time she's a match with this card, she'll get two moves in, then it'll crash. Yeah. And she almost got to the point where she was going to give the game away. But I was like, stick with it. You might be right. But I think Puzzle Quest is a better game. Oh, for sure, Puzzle Quest is a better game. Because it seemed to do more. This I don't know. I mean, the, the mechanic's quite good in the fact that you have to wear down an opponent. So you've got that bar, like I said last time, in the middle, where you push it to one side or the other, depending on how the match is going. When you get to one end fully, you, you can pin the opponent. And it all depends on where your health's at. So you wear the points down... And it, it it works well in that simple basis basis in that way. Yeah, but no, there is a little strategy. Oh, you can do. I mean, a few times where you you sort of get bitten in the ass when you think you're doing all right, and then all of a sudden it'll just cascade on you, and you just from nowhere the computer will come and beat you. Yeah. And other times it works the other way. So it's happened to me tonight. In fact, so where it's like, oh shoot, I'm not paying attention to my health, and then boom, boom, boom. I came from like he had three quarters health there, and then all of a sudden I I beat him in, with when I had nothing, but it was just pure luck. But yeah, it, it's fun. Like I, I like it for that. But I did start a new game, but really? I, only, I only played for like ten minutes. Okay. And that is a turn-based strategy game on the on the on the phone based on DC superheroes. So yeah, you get three characters that you play with. So you start off with Superman, Zatanna, and Lex Luthor, and you're fighting against Manhunters, which is a robot alien race sort of thing. And you have essentially three cards that you can play, or three moves. One's a, like if you're Superman, it's a punch, it's a kick, it's fire breath or something, or like, vision. Zatanna's got like two attacks and a heal, and those sort of things so you go alright I'll use this attack on this character and you're fighting three and it's like I like it because it's a, you know there's a shitload of characters in there so I've got Superman to play with and Irish Shazam's in there so I was like mm, maybe but it's, it sounds like a sort of grinding you get cards when you win you get a new card and that card is a character that you can recruit and all this sort well, of sounds stuff. pretty cool and it's just like can I because it sounds time it does sound very much I need time, time grind and it's like yeah, I don't know so yeah. it's there where you know so but I don't know but yeah. I have been doing other gaming I started Brutal Legend Brutal how do you say brutal with an umla on the U? I don't know. It's very metal though, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Because it was after Lemmy died and they were talking about, you know, things he's done and one gaming podcast, I think, <laughs> talked about the fact that he was in Brutal Legends. Oh, that's right. And I, what I liked about the idea of Brutal Legend was the the humour that they yep. talked about and it was created by Double Fine Games who are known for making innovative games and funny. Yeah. And story. It's not just your cookie cutter sort of game. And I thought, oh, the concept was fun. The design was good. It's like, I should go check it out. And I went down to JB to see if there was a copy for sale. And there was for $5. I was like, yeah, well, I can get you. So I, I dig it. Like, it's fun. It's a very simple beat em up where you're there, you're a character, you're, you play a roadie who gets sucked into hell. And it's like metal hell or metal world. Voiced where, by Jack Black? Yeah. And it's just like these hot rods. 
and skulls and just everything that you think of, you know, heavy metal iconography. It, it's in the movie and it, uh, it's in the game. Where you upgrade, you go into this depth of hell and upgrade your cars and everything. And Ozzy Osbourne's the character that does that. <laughs> you've got Lemmy from Motorhead who rides around and helps you out and he's a healer. And you've got roadies that carry things around that, you know, carry like four stacks of Marshall stacks on their back. And you've got headbangers that are your minions and they literally are, they're nothing but neck. They, all they do is headbang. You know, so they, uh, and it's, uh, the design works great. The concept's really good. The only problem is it's probably a little grindy or samey. There's a main mission you can do, and you can do side missions. And I've decided to do the side missions, but the problem with that is that they're the same. It's like literally, go here and do exactly the same thing that you did over there. Hmm. Where it's like, fight a couple of people. It's like, okay. So it's not hard. The variety is a little, for all this side mission stuff, there's no real variety. It's not like Borderlands where it's like, oh, this is a weird, quirky mission to do over here. This is a weird, quirky mission. It's, it's just like, have a fight with a bunch of, bad guys here and have a fight but I just love the design and the ethic behind all that that sort of stuff so it's just a matter of I've got to work my way through another six hours I think into the game so that's just to get to the end of it yeah I had this when it was not when it was new but when it was still fairly recent I picked it up quite cheap with the intention that I was going to play it but then I read some really bad reviews of it so I actually traded it in before I even cracked the seal on it (laughs) But just watching the intro that you showed me the other day, I like the, the just the style of it, the fact that Jack Black's getting the record out of the record shop and opening it up, and your menu is like him opening the record. And, yeah. yeah like that's on the the, it's stuff. got so many good elements in it, and you could probably go on YouTube and watch a supercut of just the main bits you need to see. But um, And you unlock bits, because you've got an axe and a guitar. Like an axe and an axe, I suppose you would call it. Yeah. So you can attack people with your axe, or you can play power chords on your guitar, which... If you do a quick power chord, it electrocutes them, which does a little bit of damage. Or if you hold down the blue button, it will set them on fire. That nice. sort of thing. But you can call your car at any point. You've got a hot rod. And if you hold down a trigger and push down, there's a bunch of things you can call up by playing a riff on your guitar. So it's like you want to get your car out. Okay, so you got it. And it's like Guitar Hero, where you've got buttons you have to hit in a certain sequence. There's a guitar lick, and that brings up a certain spell that you have control of. So it's very metal. And it's quite funny in that way and very meta. And so um, it's good. It's just, yeah, the grindingness of it all. It's sort of like, oh, why can't you be that little bit better? But it's also, this is us going back to older games. Yeah, because it's probably five, six years old. Yeah. And the problem with that is games have improved. And that's what we're learning now. You play a new game and then you go, they play the original. It's like, oh, hang on. They improved on this a lot. And they just don't work nowadays. But yeah, that, that, that's my, my brutal legend. That's where I'm gaming. Mm. So nothing else? Nope. Well, I will just give you one piece of gaming news. Ooh. Since we talked about it last month when you were talking about upcoming releases of games. Yeah. And you were saying you were disappointed that there's no Star Wars game coming out. Yeah. They've announced now for June this year, there is a Lego Force Awakens game coming. Yeah. So yes, I'm quite excited for that. Mm. Yes. And... Far Cry Primal just got released this week, and it's only on new generation consoles. Yeah, I know. So, yes. Mm-hmm. Could be time for you to buy an Xbox. Uh, well, if I keep <laughs> playing five-year-old games like Brutal Legend, I won't get there soon. But yes, I do want a bad, bad. Okay. Right. Well, that's gaming. Mm-hmm. Should we talk movies? Let's talk movies. You've had a couple of trips to the cinema? Uh, a few, which is rare. Yeah, so... I went and saw The Hateful Light. Yes. I went to the Asta and I saw the 70 mil presentation roadshow that Quentin Tarantino put out, which has the intermission and you get a book and everything when you go see it. It's a long movie. It is a very long movie. I saw it, but not the 
Retrovision, mm. and I didn't realise how long it was going to be. <laughs> and by the end of it, I was just thinking to myself, my God, this is a long movie. Like, I don't know. I was less than impressed. Yeah? There was bits of it that I really loved, and certain characters in it were like really good. you popped and Jennifer Lee Lee got elbowed in the face every time. Not every time. <laughs> the bit when Samuel Jackson punched her and she fell out of the side of the um, the stagecoach and dragged Kurt Russell because they were handcuffed together out. I kind of popped for that. Not that I'm condoning violence against women. I just thought it was a nice bit of the movie. Yeah, but Kurt Russell was probably my favourite character in it because he was very much... John Wayne. Yeah. And he wasn't really what you were expecting Kurt Russell to be. Mm. He was just being a bit of a surly bastard through the rest of the movie. Well, they're all pretty hateful. Well, um, and there's eight of them. Yes. I thought the, the New Zealand character was a bit weird. Well, Zoe Pillar Ball. Fact. Yeah, I just didn't really know whether why they needed a New Zealander in the Wild West. Because he likes Zoe Ball. And they were typically the... Well, Zoe Bell. Zoe Bell. Zoe Bell. Bell. Yeah. They were very much the Tarantino group of people. They were like Tim Roth and Samuel L. Jackson. Kind of surprised to see Channing Tatum, but he didn't do well, a hell of a lot. Well, he's in the credits. I know. It's not like he's a, a cameo that turns up and no one knows he's in it. Mm. But uh, yeah, it's weird that he's filmed this in 70 mil. And it's set in a cabin. Yeah, I'd, I'd say, what, two hours of two hours and 47 minutes of the movie is just in one room. Yeah, pretty much in a cabin or a stagecoach. Yeah. Like, if he'd have done Django in 70 mil, that might have been nice. Yeah. Because Django had a lot of vistas and, mm. you know, that sort of stuff. But yeah, I don't know. It was interesting. It was very Tarantino. Like, the dialogue in it. It was the thing. It was Tarantino makes the thing meets Murder on the Orient Express. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> I mean, they're in the snow with Kurt Russell and they don't know who did it, which is the thing. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's like the murder mystery element. It's just like, but I mean, with El Tarantino, the acting's very good. The dialogue's, you know, sharp, punchy yep, in that sort of way. But it's long. It's very long. They could have easily cut out like you said, they could cut it down to a two-hour movie. I think they could have actually cut a whole hour out and just made it an hour 47. It still was Michael Madison, is he in anything without Tarantino? Give me a movie that he's in that's good. I was about to say Point Break, but that was actually Tom Sizemore. So <laughs> I'm getting the two confused. Like, you see him turn up in things. It's like, fuck, you need the cash. And then he turns up in those Tarantino movies. It's like, oh, yeah, you get... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we should IMDb him later. I'm sure he's been in other movies that weren't Tarantino. Tarantino. I, I think he had a TV series in the 80s, didn't he? Oh, that, that makes it good. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, you're right. And what? Tim Roth hasn't done a hell of a lot lately either, has he? And wasn't no. he in... What was that show that he was in? That was kind of... Lie to Me. Lie to Me, yeah. But I, I like Tim Roth, so I'll, I'll give him a break. Yep. But no, Bruce Jones was good. Like all the performance, Jennifer Jason Lee was fantastic. Yeah. The performances were great. It was just, just too long. Yeah. But one thing I will say, at least Tarantino himself didn't turn up in this one. No. Yeah. Because definitely in Django Unchained, the movie was pretty good up until the point <laughs> where he turned up. And then I was like, oh, I hate this film now. But anyway. Yeah, well, all right. Michael Mason, I'm looking up here. Donnie Brasco, he was in, which isn't his. Dirty Dealing 3D. Never heard of it. I mean, he's constantly working. Not working in... No, but there's a movie quality. called Lumberjack and Lady Psycho, Cobra Gator. You know, if he's making a movie called Cobra Gator, you know he's doing all right. <laughs> but they're all like... There's at least 10 movies he made in 2015, so he's prolific. But did, didn't he have like some major drug problem and he couldn't work for a while and now he's probably just getting everything he can because he needs the money? Maybe. I think that's what it is. I'm just casting dispersions. I may, oh. I may be getting confused with Tom Sizemore again. I don't know. <laughs> But, yeah. All right, enough about Michael Madsen. And they're touting this as being Tarantino's eighth film. Yes. So, when they do that, they're counting Grindhouse and Kill Bill as one movie each. I don't know. It's only because it's Hateful Eight that they're pushing the eight. 
that's the only reason. But yeah, I don't know because if if you count yeah Kill Bill and Grindhouse, he, it is his eighth movie. But I don't know maybe well, Grindhouse is a film. Like Death Proof is a movie. Yeah, not it's Grindhouse is Death Proof. It, it's two though. It's Death Proof and something else. Isn't yeah, it? but Planetary was done by Rodriguez. Oh, was it? Him. Yeah. Ah. So he did Death Proof, which is one half. And the other half is Planet Terror by Robert Rodriguez. Well, are they counting his half of From Dust Till Dawn then? I don't know. It's not his film. He wrote the script. But he directed half of it, didn't he? The shitty Rodriguez half at the start? <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm just... It's funny, because when Pulp Fiction came out, it kind of changed cinema. Yep. And there was... After that, there was just tons of these movies that were more snappy dialogue, quick well, cuts. Well, it was funny, because when Pulp Fiction came out, it was Richard or Roger, Roger Avery and Quentin Tarantino were yeah. the credited writers on it and you know a few people were out there saying oh you know Tarantino's not that good you know it was all Roger Avery well Killing Zoe was Roger Avery <laughs> and I don't remember what else he's done since that so, was a good movie though yeah it was alright but it's not like we're talking about his movies no, anymore exactly. and having 70 mil road shows because of it but yeah so um hmm. alright well I had another trip to the cinema I mentioned I was going to go and see the latest Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 2 oh yes and I did and um, that's probably enough that we need to say about yeah, it. Done. Yeah, it's the end of the series, and thankfully I won't have to go to the cinema to see any more of them. Okay. So, for an action movie, there was not a lot of action in it, and it wrapped up the story, and that's about as far as it goes. After seeing the Maze Runner Scorch Trials last year, there was a bit in Scorch Trials where they were fighting zombies, and there was a bit in Mockingjay where they were fighting people that were kind of zombies. And I just thought to myself, yeah, Scorch Trials did it better. Okay. So I wouldn't be rushing out to recommend that to anyone, but I think it's actually finished at the cinema now anyway, so you probably can't. But you've had one other trip to the cinema? Two other trips to the cinema. We'll talk about the old one first. Okay, yes. Um, in lieu of the tragic passing of... Glenn Fry. <laughs> Lemmy. <laughs> David Bowie. <laughs> In lieu of the um, sad passing of David Bowie, um, the Nova put on a few screenings of The Man Who Fell to Earth, the 1976, I think it was, science fiction film starring David Bowie. And a friend of mine said, they're putting it on, do you want to go see it? And I was like, yes, yes, I do. I haven't... I have a vague recollection of seeing it, like as a late-night movie when I was in my early teens and thinking, this isn't Star Wars, this isn't science fiction. <laughs> So I essentially haven't seen it. And on watching the movie now, I was like, maybe I haven't seen it at all. <laughs> but um, but watching it, I'm glad I saw it now. That's all I can say. Like, if I'd seen this anywhere before the last 10 years, it, I would have been too soon for me. You know, there's certain movies you need to be a certain maturity or level when you see it for the first time. And it's a, I think my cinema going has matured in the last five years or so to a point where it's like, yeah, I'll appreciate this. And seeing it at the cinema meant I could, because this is a long movie as well that could have shaved off an easy half hour. Okay. It's, it's funny, though, because you watch this movie thinking this was written for David Bowie. It's almost like he, you know, a Z Stardust. Mm. It, it, it purely is. But you, I read the trivia on it, and it's like, no, it's based on a novel. It was Nick Nolte or someone stupid like that where they were thinking of having for the role first. And you just look at this going, it's David Bowie's role. It's, it's written for him, but you can't imagine someone else in it. And it's... It's a very 70s film, and it just makes me realise how much I love 70s movies. Like, yeah. your Soylent Greens, yeah. It, it just has a feel and a vibe to it, and it's just really funky in that way. You got to see Riptorn's knob. I wasn't really ready for that. <laughs> I wasn't really ready to see Riptorn without a beard. That was shocking enough, but then to see his knob. But, um, yeah, it, 
it was cool. Uh, I, I, I recommend it if you like those sort of things. But yeah, maybe I was talking to another friend about it afterwards, and he we should he goes, oh, I want to see that, blah blah blah. And he rattled off the director, and he's, he made Walkabout and a few other films, and it's like, so I'm really intrigued to see some of the other films that this guy made. So, okay. so yeah, so that was kind of cool. All right, and your special new release. Yes, Did you go to I, a press screening, was I, it? Well, it was meant to be a press screening. Well, it was a press screening, but it was also a competition winners of some sort. But I went and saw Deadpool. Okay, so you got to see it early, so we're not going to go too spoilery. Oh, because it's not even out yet. Yeah, well, I was going to say, by the time this goes out, it, might be it would probably just have come out, but at time of recording, it hasn't yep. been released yet. Yeah, all I can say is, if you like the advertising that's on board, that's come out, then you'll like the film. It's the same as the advertising. Like, yeah. the humour in the advertising is there, the meta talk-to-camera, all that elements is there. It's it's quite good as far as it's true to the comics. It's referential to Wolverine, the, the movie, the Origins movie. There's there's elements there that are just quite funny. It's it's, it's just damn good. It's funny. Like, it's a, it's a funny movie. It's violent. It's... It, <laughs> it's it, what you expect the yeah, movie and, to be. and it's probably the be- the most X-Men of X-Men films is what I come away going like as far as if you know comics and this and that this is the closest you're going to get to an X-Men even though it's R-rated and you'll never get all that swearing in a comic but it's the most X-Men of X-Men movies <laughs> as opposed to we're going to do a cinematic version of the X-Men so we don't scare too many people off we're getting closer and closer to doing yeah we're doing crazy capes and spandex nice you know it's yeah I can't recommend enough like and there was two cinemas showing it. Like, it was pretty busy. So, I don't know how these people got their tickets. There's a lot of people... I didn't know how many Deadpool t-shirts there were. Because, <laughs> like, every second person had a Deadpool t-shirt, and they were all different. A few people dressed as Deadpool, things like that. We turn up, and we go to buy buy some popcorn. We go, oh, you get popcorn. You get free popcorn. So, oh, oh, cool. And then went to buy a drink. And then, oh, you get a drink as well. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay. And we'll just have a chop-top then. So, it was a cheap night out. Then we go around the corner, and there's beer, cider, nice. soft drinks. It's like... Thank you. I'll have a cider. Go in and on your seats, a little popcorn. It's like sweet. And then there was a bottle of V uh, with a special Deadpool bottle that you okay. could have, and the limited edition of five thousand apparently. Did you keep it or did you drink it? I got one. Awesome. I stole from other. Oh, you could see some of the bloody neck beers going around, stealing <laughs> all the extra where there were blank seats and things like that. But yeah, um, so it was a weird experience. So it was a press screening as well because they said, look, social media, go out, shill it, say how much you love the movie, but any official press people don't embargo until Sunday. Okay. Don't release any reviews until Sunday. So it's right. sort of weird. So but I did. I, I like going to press screenings. I don't like being with the plebs. That's all I can say. And is Ryan Reynolds the greatest actor of our generation? He's pretty good. He's funny. <laughs> he's funny. I don't know who's better. Leonardo DiCaprio. No, I don't think so. He hasn't won an Oscar. He got raped by a bear. Yeah, well, if that's what he wants to do. I think well, Matt Damon's better than him. Probably. Ryan Gosling. I don't know. Hmm. All right, so is that your ben cinema? Affleck. Yeah. Batman. <laughs> that, that, that's my cinema going, but I have seen other films. What about you? you seen mm-hmm. um, I haven't been to the cinema, but I've seen a couple of movies at home. Yeah. One that I will mention is a movie that came out last year in 2015 that I knew nothing about called Focus. Yeah. Which was Deadshot and Harley Quinn. No. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> I had to think about it there for a second. Yeah, it was Will Smith and Margot Robbie. Yep. And they are con men trying to do a big heist at the Super Bowl in mm. Louisiana. I do like a good heist film. Is it a good heist film? It is, and it had bits of strange comedy that just came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Like, Will Smith is one of those actors that can do a serious film quite well, or he can do a, a funny film quite well. 
But this is one of those Thank movies you. where... He's a singer who He has. is. Mm. That, that brings me up to something. But it's one of those movies where you kind of think, is this going to be a drama that's funny or is it going to be a funny drama? A dramedy. A dramedy. But <laughs> there is just bits of it where it's totally inappropriate humour yeah. that just come out of nowhere. That's all Deadpool is. All inappropriate humour. <laughs> but for a movie that I knew nothing about, I mm. was really impressed with it. Okay. Mm. And I've, I hate to admit it, I had no idea who Margot Robbie is. When it started, I was like... Her face looks familiar, but I don't know her. And then I IMDb'd it, and I realised it was Margot Robbie, and I'm like, oh, so that's Margot Robbie. So yes, the only thing I've seen her in is the ads for Suicide Squad. Yep. And well, she hasn't done a lot, to be honest. But well, she was in Wolf of Wall Street, wasn't yeah, she? Well, that's a breakout seen. role, and yeah. she's going to be big. But yeah, it's hmm. not like not through a lot of work. It's just she's picking her roles. But she, she was good in this, I guess. Mm. Will Smith was very good. Well, he was just Will Smith, and the dude that plays Major Dad, what's his name? Um, Jared McKinney or something mm. I don't know. he was in it and he was pretty good too the guy from Legend of Doom no yes <laughs> the guy that looks like Red Warrior Hawk yes I understand where you're coming down yeah the guy that was um, Randolph Hearst or whatever in Deadpool no in um, Deadwood he's been in a lot of things but I never realised what his real name is Simon and Simon yeah. but that, that guy Simon and Simon so yes that was good and another thing that was on Foxtel just recently and I've been kind of thinking about watching it for a little while and that was the Stephen Hawking biopic The Theory of Everything yeah with Eddie Renmay yeah and again, one of those people I knew the name and I didn't really know who he was, but then I realised he was shitful in Jupiter Ascending. Yes. And, but he was good in this, I think. He was very accurate for the portrayal of Stephen Hawking, I think. Mm-hmm. And as the movie progressed, it just made you realise what an ass Stephen Hawking is and how his wife was this long-suffering angel that put up with a lot of shit. And then at the end of the movie, they basically say it's based on a book that his wife wrote. And you think, maybe it's... It's like straight out of Compton. Yeah. It's two lovely guys, Ice Cube and Dr. Dre. They're really nice. <laughs> but it, it was good. It was well acted. It was... I, I didn't know a lot about Stephen Hawking before this movie. And I probably still don't know a lot about Stephen Hawking. I know he was a clever dude. But he still he, is. Yeah, still is. Exactly. still alive. But his wife just did everything for him, obviously, because he's in the wheelchair. And then just he got this nurse that was kind of flirting with him and then his nurse decided that, or he decided that he was going to America and taking his nurse with him and just up and left. And earlier on in the piece, his wife had had like a, a bit of a, or had met this dude through the church and there was a chance that she may have had an affair and then she was like, no, I've got to stick by my husband and all this sort of stuff. And yeah, it was like she was faithful to, to his husband all the time and then her husband just got up and left. Mm-hmm. I would say walked out, but he didn't. <laughs> he rolled out and took his nurse with him. But Fair enough. Very well acted. As good as far as the fact that it's a period movie. It's set like 60s and 70s. It looked like how it should look. And yeah, it was a good film. Yep. All right. That's probably all I will mention in that part. You've had a couple of other movies before we jump into our topic. Yes. I um, I saw The Electric Boogaloo, The Wild Untold, Untold Story of Canon Films, which is from the same filmmaker as Not Quite Hollywood. And it's a documentary about Canon Films, and which made American Ninja, Delta Force, The Dash with you know, everything past Death Wish just those slocky films which it's not a great doco because it, it sort of just tells a straight narrative of they made these films and they were dickheads and they were the, then they made these films and they just got more into debt and these were really popular and then they started making these films and it, it didn't have anything else to say except that they kept making bad films well you know they weren't bad as in they were bad ones in they there. were low budget yes yes but they were popular yeah but they made things but and they made bad choices with movies like they paid 
think twelve million dollars to Sylvester Stallone to do over the top. Which they, you know, that was more than most of the budgets and most of the movies they were making, mm. and little things. And they got out of control when they started spending money like that on these movies instead of going back to the formula that made them money, which was no ninjas are popular. Let's do American Ninja. You know, with Michael Dudikoff, as you because you know martial arts, no, yeah. it looks apart. Doesn't when, matter, we can do and it. And when you film a movie in the Philippines, it's pretty cheap to get labour and stuff. Yeah, so I mean, they were, they were just crazy Israeli guys who just wanted to make movies, and they did, and they did really well for a while. But unfortunately, the narrative now, in true form, apparently the guys who were in charge of Canon Films went out and made it. Do- they're the only two that aren't in this docker because they went off and made their own. And bought it out three weeks before this one was made. So I've got to go see that one now to see the counterpoint. You know, there's people who made Superman 4, and Superman 4 is so bad because as they were making the movie, the money just kept drying up. So they had to reuse scenes and couldn't do anything they were planning on doing. That's why it's such a bad film. They did the um, He-Man and the Master of the Universe movie and things like that. Well, yeah, I was... Was it you that was talking about this before we recorded it might have been on another podcast where they were talking about how they were going to get another actor to come in and overdub Dolph Lundgren's lines from Master of the Universe but then they ran out of money and couldn't get the other actor so they had to use the takes that they'd got for Dolph yeah, with his is, bad accent and stuff it is, I mean, it's interesting to see but the, the thing that guy came out of it was that they were talking about how bad these movies were these were my youth yeah like I didn't know they were bad films like because because I lived in video libraries in the 80s. That that was my thing. The TV guide and video libraries, that's all I did. I was very boring. But, you know, when a new Chuck Norris movie came out, Mission in Action 2, awesome. You know, <laughs> and I watched that's the shit out of that when it came out. Breakdance and Breakdance 2, you know, that's fine. They made the Lambada films as well, by the way. Oh, well. So, because they made money on Breakdance. So they tried to t- cash in on the current trends of the time. They probably did rep prayer for the Roller Boys. Maybe they did. Yeah. So, going on that, any movie that came out I thought was a, a movie. You know, <laughs> it's like if it made it to the cinemas, it must be of some sort of quality. And then videos came out, and it's like, well, these are real films. So, the, there was no difference between a $50 million at the time movie and a $5 million Chuck Norris action film, because I liked action movies. Yeah. So, there was Rambo, and there was Missing in Action. They were the same to me, as far as quality. You know, they're both films. I know who Chuck Norris is. I know who Sylvester Stallone is. I didn't yeah. hierarchy them in any way. It's just like, yeah, these are Vietnam movies, and these are all... I didn't watch Platoon. That was boring. I didn't understand that. But Missing in Action and Rambo, they were awesome. So, all these movies that they were picking on, but it's like, these are the movies I loved. Hmm. These are the movies I look forward to hiring for the video library. So... Of that time, like I said, seeing The Man Who Fell to Earth, I couldn't have watched it then. But I can watch Missy in Action too. So it, it's what you see at the time and when. Yeah. And they were real films to That's me. right. And in the 80s, early 90s, slucky yeah. action movies were, you know, straight-to-video type titles were the best thing. Yeah, I, I didn't just, you know, they were cool. They were no different to anything else I saw. Yeah. Yeah, now I could go back and say the budget's not good or the acting's not good or whatever, but it's exactly what I wanted to watch at the time. Exactly. And they're still fun to watch. Yeah. And there's some of the movies that you can rewatch because you know the, the scenes you're looking for. Like, I can't think of how many times I've seen American Ninja 2. <laughs> like, I had that video and I, I dubbed myself a copy when it was on, you know, on my Betamax when pirate. I was a kid. I've always been a pirate. But <laughs> I, the amount of times I've watched that, it's probably a wonder the tape didn't wear out. But yes. Fair enough. Very good. I, I, I should probably dig that up because I think I had a, a fondness for those movies back in the day as well. Yeah, and well, something else I watched, and I think you talked about previously, was Tusk, the Kevin Smith walrus movie. Yeah. What did you think? Kevin Smith can direct. 
You watch it and you go, there's some really nice scenes in here. And there's some really nice passages of dialogue. And there's elements there. As horror goes, it was quite horrific in certain bits. Yeah. Like, he he tapped into the horror element of it and it was quite nasty. And that last scene is just fucking heartbreaking. Yeah. It's just it is. And it's just, yeah. Michael Parks is great. Haley Joel Osmond doesn't look like Haley Joel Osmond. But... He looks like he ate Haley Joel Osmond. And I wanted to see it after hearing him tell the story live about making that movie and getting Johnny Depp in and all this sort of stuff. It's like, yeah. oh, I'm interested to see. And you're right, Johnny Depp is the weakest part of the film. Yeah, I like, definitely And this is the that. problem with Kevin Smith got Johnny Depp as like, I'm going to use everything I can. And considering he says that's two days of filming, they got all they could out of him. Oh, they, quite they, they were two full-on days. And there's a lot of scenes yeah. that he's in. Unfortunately, those scenes are the weakest. It's just, not only is his performance, like he's playing a character and that's good for him to go and play one, but it's just a dull, they're just dull scenes and weird yeah. scenes. Weird scenes, yeah. And, and the movie sort of stops to accommodate them. Yeah, I, I was kind of enjoying the movie a little bit. I found it a bit weird. And then when Johnny Depp turned up, I just thought, no. That's when it, it stops. It puts a break on the film, yeah. unfortunately. So, yeah, that was... But I am intrigued to get... Because the next one is Yoga Hoses. Is This is the Great White North trilogy. Yeah. this is That was part one. Part two is Yoga Hoses, which is starring... It's pretty much Clerks with his daughter and Johnny Depp's daughter's characters, which are in two scenes of this film. And they fight Nazi sausages. As you do. So it's going to get quite strange. Mm. Yeah, so, so I wanted to see that. So I finally got around to watching that, which is fine. And something else I did check out, which was Gem and the Holograms. <laughs> now, I heard bad things about this film, so I wanted to see. Now, Gem and the Holograms is an 80s cartoon, for those who don't know, about a band called Gem and the Holograms, who used holographic technology to change their appearance to become Gem and the Holograms. And was it totally outrageous? She was totally outrageous. <laughs> and they had a band, a rival band called the Misfits. Not they- to be confused with Jerry Odley and the Misfits? No, no. But And what they did was um, they solved crimes as well. So what was the actual premise of the movie? So, I mean, they, they solved crimes in the cartoon and they had crazy adventures. And the misfits rode around in, like, giant guitar-shaped motorbikes and things like that. In the cartoon? Or in the, in the cartoon. In I the don't cartoon. remember that in the cartoon. Yep. In the movie, she's a YouTube sensation where she lives with Molly Ringwald with her sister and two, like, adopted sort of sisters or foster sisters or something. Yeah. So there's the four characters in the band. They all play music. The Molly Ringwald, for some reason, has all these 80s clothes. Cause like, that's why they got Molly Ringwald, I guess. Um, <laughs> and they all dressed up funnily in these outfits and I'm mucking around and this and that. And she's like, it's all this YouTube craze, like, the way they film it and do, using footage like YouTube in and they uh, and she's a songwriter but she's shy and she was trying to do something and they're going to lose the house it's not a good I mean you want it to be a movie where they save the you know, save the rest but it's not that so she sort of sings a song and she gets all shy and doing it on, on embarrassed because her sister films everything she's like she's this filmer but she tries to film it and she tries to film her singing song but she gets all embarrassed so she puts on the pink wig and stupid makeup and puts it on the alias and then her sister gets the tape she didn't know she was she thought she deleted it and the sister got it and she uploaded it on YouTube and it became a YouTube sensation and then Juliette Lewis is like the in charge of a record company saying I'm going to find you contact me you know kind of thing I want want to sign you and they have this messenger exchange because it's all twee and internet-y and all this sort Mm. of stuff you know 
Instagram and Twitter. But and there are some names in it. Yeah, it was a cheap film. It's like five million bucks. Like, like, I didn't even know this had been released. I remember there was like talk that it was going to happen. Well, like, it, was, it was the least performing film to be released on that many cinemas. Like 2,000 <laughs> cinemas and it was terrible. It didn't make, didn't make its money back at five million bucks. That's oh, like God. Bad. Right, so her dad was an inventor in the movie and he invented a robot. So there is... A funky special effect for this robot. It's quite cool. And she gets messages from this Juliette Lewis character who's saying, I want to sign you. It's like, well, I'm with my band. It's like, no, just you. It's like, well, they're my deals. You've got to be the whole band. Okay. So they get taken in by this thing and they get turned into a band and everyone goes nuts for this person who gets so many hits on the internet. You know, it's sort of like, eh. And it's like the mystery of Jam, basically. And it's just shit. And then there's a goose chase that happens where the they get because before the dad died he was working on this robot then when they finally go back and she keeps a robot with her the whole time like a security blanket when they finally go back to LA the robot comes to life it did work (laughs) and then you're getting little clues go here grab the next bit and there's like little treasure hunts to find out more and more the dad left these clues for him and there is a hologram that projects out of the robot with the dad talking to her at the end. Spoilers, because you're not going to watch this film. No. And it's all about being all, you know, true to yourself and do whatever. And end up going against Julia Lewis. You could see that she was sort of an evil corporate person where, you know, it's all about the music and family. That's shit. Like, the music's twee and shit. But it was in the cartoon too, though. No, but it was at least rock and 80s. You know, was it rock? Power I don't think it was rocking. I think it was like very synthesized. Yeah, but it was power. It was your Debbie Gibson type shit in the eighties. They rocked it? out as well. All right, you know, especially Misfits were better. But there was just shit. All right, it was just shit. Was there a token male character like the cartoon? Yeah, he was in there. Anyone famous? No. Well, not that I knew of anyway. But I, I must say, the file I was watching, the sound went at the end, so I missed the last ten minutes. No, so I don't know what happened. But I can guess. Yeah. And I did read the, the IMDb, and, it, and apparently Kesha turns up as the lead singer of the Misfits. So that wasn't in the first, like, so it must be a nice little teaser or something at the end with whether it's leading to a sequel or something like that. But Maybe. I, I, I didn't get to see that bit, unfortunately. But, yeah. And the thing is, I wanted to watch this because it was so badly reviewed, and I thought this is going to be bad. And it wasn't bad. It, it was nothing. That yeah. was a problem. And that's even worse, isn't it? Yeah, it was literally... I mean, bad you can enjoy. It like pandemic. Yeah. But it, it, was, it, it was literally, it was nothing. Like, this movie is just... No. Nah. Hmm. But it might tie into... Girls might see this at 14 or 12, and they might buy into it, because they don't have other point of references. Like I said, you know, watching American News and thinking, this is a real movie. <laughs> so maybe, if you get the right people at the right time seeing this film, it could have that right effect, but... To me, yes, I'm not the market, and well, it's just so badly done. Uh, yeah. Mm. So you're saying Kesha was in this movie? Apparently. So she's a, a singer that's turning into an actress. Yes. Yeah. There could be a theme coming along. Maybe. Tonight. Maybe. So we talked a little bit last month after we recorded about how David Bowie was one of those people that was predominantly known as a musician. I think so. <laughs> but he had sterling performances in a number of films that he was in. Mm-hmm. As you said, The Man Who Fell to Earth. Yep. His amazing cod piece in Labyrinth. Mm-hmm. And as a kid, I quite liked him in Absolute Beginners. Not Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence? I don't think I've seen Merry Christmas, no, Mr. Lawrence. I don't think I've ever. Is that a Christmas film? No. We could save that for when we did the 12 Days of Christmas. Well, we could. It's a, well, it goes more with the bridge <laughs> on the river. Pie, but, yeah, yeah. but anyway, we thought we would have a look at some movies 
and some other TV shows and stuff starring musicians. It's more a discussion. This is not. Yes. This is not in depth. This is not research. This is us <laughs> just rattling off a list of actors and movies. I think it's, it's just it got too big. <laughs> well, it did. We thought we would look mainly at some of the good performances and some of the not so good performances, but. We, what ended up being a multiple message text conversation between each other where we just kept trying to outdo each other. Go find the worst <laughs> one possible. But yeah, as we said, Bowie was one of the standouts, I think, for musicians that could act. I haven't seen The Prestige, but everyone raves about how good he is as Nikola Tesla in The mm-hmm. Prestige. Yeah, it's good. But there, there have been other actors that have jumped over into movies. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know whether we wanted to look at people that started their career as musicians and then just became actors. So I don't know if Mark Wahlberg needs to get a mention on this list. We shouldn't. No, no, that's exactly what we should mention. He is the prime of what we're talking about. Is but it? They are singers first. Singers. Singers <laughs> to become actors. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. So Mark Wahlberg is the exact example of what I think this what we're talking about today. All right. Well, there, there are that's some... what David Bowie is. Is he? He's a singer who became an actor. But then he became a singer again. He released no, he more never records. stopped being a singer. Okay. But see, Mark Wahlberg doesn't release things anymore, does he? No, he doesn't. But he just, he, he just he started off as a singer. Okay. With his funky bunch. Yes. Was he a one-hit wonder? No, because you've got to believe. Anger <laughs> is two. Two songs. All right. Off the same album. And didn't he do backing vocals on New Kids on the Block or something? Probably. Anyway. So, all right. Well, so, Mark Donnie Wahlberg. Wahlberg. we can talk about as well. We he can. was in Fear. No, Mark Wahlberg's in Fear. Well, so was Donnie. No, it's Mark. Mm. Fear's one of my favourite movies. Oh, really? It's got Mark Wahlberg and Reese Witherspoon. Oh. And William Peterson from CSI. There you go. Yes, so don't get me started on Fear. But <laughs> Mark Wahlberg, when we talk about good movies that Mark Wahlberg's done, yes. he's got a great list of movies for Transformers 4. Okay. He's also got a great list of movies that we can choose from. The Big Hit is a prime example. Mm-hmm. That's a very good movie, and I would highly recommend that to Departed. most people. Yes. He's phenomenal in The Departed. Is he? Yes. Pain and Gain is pretty good. Yes. So yes, Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg. On the same vein of people like Mark Wahlberg, you've got Will Smith. Yes. Who I mentioned before in Focus. Mm Mm-hmm. He has started early in his career with some not-so-great movies. What are you talking about? Independence Day. There's nothing wrong with Independence Day. That wasn't the start of his career, though. But would have been close. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, we'll mention, wasn't... Great acting. Six Degrees of Separation, where he played a gay character. It was quite it was quite risque for him to do that. It was. In one of his early roles. Legend of the Beggar Vance. I am legend. <laughs> yes. I robot. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. will you consider Will Wild, Smith... Wild West. Wicked Wild, Wicked Wild. Wicked Wild. <laughs> Would you still consider him to be a musician as well, or is he pure acting? He's, a, he's an actor now. That has a song on every soundtrack of every movie that he's in almost. Moving on, unless Suicide Squad gets a silly suicide. (laughs) Got something wrong. And will he do that little fake laugh (laughs) that he does every now and then? Maybe. All right. So, yeah, Will Smith is another good example. I like to think of Ice Cube as being a good musician that turned into an actor. Well, if you listen to our Straight Outta Compton episode, I see him as an actor (laughs) who happened to have a career before that because I didn't know him as a singer. But he's also had his fair share of not-so-great movies as well. Are we there yet? Yes. And the... Was it the second X movie or was it the first one? Second. Second, yeah, because Vin Diesel was the first. first. Yeah. Yeah, but... Boys in the Hood was good. Mm-hmm. Friday is good, and he wrote that as well. And speaking of actors that are in, uh, rappers that have turned actors, you've got Ludacris in the Fast and the Furious season series. Yeah, again, he's an actor to me because I have no idea <laughs> what his singing is. It's like, yeah, well, well, I think someone who was maybe the greatest entertainer of my generation, the Ryan Reynolds of 
everything. I think Justin Timberlake. Yeah. Singer who's fucking funny. Like, you see him on Saturday Night Live. He's hilarious and he can act. He's, he hasn't really picked great movies yet. He was in The Social Network, wasn't he? Yeah, he, he played some famous dude. But yes, but it, I mean, apart from that, he's been in like that Bad Teacher, was it? Or something like that? Maybe. One no, of the teacher no. movies. He's in The Adjustment Bureau. He's in About Time, Southland Tales. Like, he's picking the odd movie here and there, but nothing where he goes, all right, I have arrived as an actor as well. But definitely a singer first, actor second. But he's damn good. Damn, damn good. Hmm. Yes, I'll agree, even though I've never seen any of his movies. I will take your word for it. Now, there's a lot of country music singers that have jumped across to the acting realm. Mm -hmm. Prime example is another movie that I watched earlier this month, and that would be Dolly Parton in 9 to 5. No, I've not seen that for a long time. I'm surprised. Like, my wife watched it. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago and I was like, yeah, I'll watch this as well because I can remember it a lot from when I was a kid. And I remembered it a lot more than I thought I would remember it. There was, I mean, but it, I, mean I remember it being funny and I enjoyed it and I watched it a bit, but not. I watched it as a teenager. So I never worked in a working situation. And it's de- definitely a working comedy. Oh, definitely. So it's about working, having a boss and doing all this. So it, and wouldn't, very it much, would be a very different experience for me to watch now. And there was a lot of like women's lib and you know equal pay for women and you yeah. know, equal conditions for women and stuff that were mentioned in it. But it, it still holds up and it's still actually quite a good movie. But yeah, surprisingly, there were just lines of dialogue that I just remembered instantly when they said them. And I was sitting there going, oh, I can't wait for this scene and this scene and you know, that sort of stuff. And Lily Tomlin is very funny. Okay. But yeah, but 9 to 5, Dolly Parton was still playing very much the ditzy blonde that she is, but she's played some other fairly serious roles in Steel Magnolias. Yeah, no, that's it's a movie I'm never... It's a girly film. She, yeah, she's a little house in Texas. Yeah, again, she was kind of like a, a singer in that, wasn't mm. she? And Ryan she Stone, was like, she was a country singer. Okay. But yes, and mm. her old stomping partner, Kenny Rogers. Kenny. Good old Six Pack and The Gambler. Yes. We've talked about Six Pack before, haven't we? I'm sure we have. Well, it's one of my kids' movies of my youth that we taped off the telly and watched repeatedly, where it was him as a stock car racer who ended up getting six kids, like orphans, that sort of tagged along and became his pit crew. It's just one of those movies. You just love it as a kid. It's funny, because I hadn't seen it when I was younger, and then you gave us a copy of it, my wife loves this movie. <laughs> and we watched it again, and just the amount of swearing yeah. that was in it, I just couldn't remember. It was like, yeah, it's like you wouldn't expect this from that sort of movie. Ooh. But, but yes, another country music star that you recently showed me his movie, and that is Toby Keith in Beer for My Horses. Mm-hmm. And what a strange film that was. Yeah. Did we talk about it last week? No, we no? didn't. Okay. <laughs> we got to talk about this movie. All right. Um. <laughs> so again, this is one of the reasons why we decided to do this topic, was after watching Beer for My Horses. Now, Toby Keith is a country and western singer, and that's all I knew, because the... Bad Movie Fiends podcast talked about this movie, and that's all I knew. So, when we had, you renewed your vows a couple of months back, I was wearing a cowboy hat. I was an outdoor wedding at your place. And, and it I, was sunny. And I caught a glimpse of myself in the mirror, wearing my cowboy hat and a shirt. And I was like, God damn, I look like a country and western <laughs> And I was talking to a guy at work, explaining that to him. I said, and I pulled out of my ass. I look like a modern country and western singer, like a Toby Keith or something. I went and looked up Toby Keith. <laughs> I look exactly fucking like Toby Keith. 
So I was like, I really should see what he looks like in clothes because then I could buy an outfit if it looks good on him. I could wear the same sort of thing. So I, I, I did that. So I thought, I'll just watch this movie. I've got it there. I'll, I'll go watch it. So I finally watched Beer for My Horses. Now, I knew nothing about it. I thought it was based... I thought he was some left-wing... No, sorry. Sorry, extreme right-wing country and western guy. But he's not really. He sort of sways politically. But he's very pro-America and all that yeah. sort of stuff. And it's a weird film. Like, it's... this. Beer for my horses comes from uh, whiskey for my men, beer for my horses, and order at a bar, and that's it. That's got nothing to do with the movie whatsoever. No. He plays a sheriff, or deputy sheriff. Yep. And they end up arresting this Mexican guy who's been making meth in their town. Like, he's got all the meth ingredients and things like that. Yep. And then he's attached to his brother, who's the big boss man of the cartel. And his girlfriend ends up being kidnapped by the cartel man saying, you got to bring my brother and give him to me or we're going to kill your girlfriend. And it becomes a road trip to take this guy down. Now, that's the concept of the movie very quickly. But it's a comedy. It's a serious action <laughs> film. It's bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> it's just bizarre. It's, certain scenes in this movie just blew me away because I totally wasn't expecting them. <laughs> Like him and the other deputy sheriff and their their police dog load up their truck and they drive down to Mexico to rescue the girlfriend. Mm. And there's one scene where they just have to stop and go to like a local rest stop toilet. And he goes, I gotta piss. So he goes in there and there's like for no reason five gang looking dudes in the toilet. And he goes, The acoustic he starts whistling and he goes, The acoustics in here are really good. And he starts singing, um twi- shout. Yep, uh, Johnny O'Keefe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Now these gangster-looking guys are all like, join in. You think they're going to beat him up or something? And no, they just join in and they start harmonise, and they have a song and dance number in the middle of this movie. It's sort of out of nowhere. It's 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 a strange, strange film. And yeah, Toby Keith is not the greatest actor ever, but it's a movie that sort of I watched it twice because I watched it myself, and then I made you sit down and watch it. <laughs> and it's not that bad. Oh, there's another bit with another country western. Well, there's two other musicians in it. Yes. Ted Nugent is. This sort of bizarre, Extreme. doesn't talk, just wants to shoot people with his bow and arrow character, yeah. pretty much playing himself. And Willie Nelson turns up as the ringleader of a circus freaks. For <laughs> <laughs> no real reason. No. It's just an aside they have in the movie on the road trip again. It's just, yeah, a bizarre little film. But I could watch it again because it's it's fun and quick and you're out of the way and it's, it's yeah it was, it was a nice little package wasn't it and yeah. it worked yeah so, so that works and it reminds me of a film that I have watched many a times and mentioned many a times on here with another singer turned actor Vanilla Ice and cool as <laughs> that sort of like the, that taper room where this guy's popular let's go make a movie now the difference is Vanilla Ice they were sort of cashing in on his success and they cashed in too late where Toby Keith is very successful and this is his own production company that probably made this because yep. why the fuck not Exactly. Yeah. So it's more he's in control and he didn't need to make this movie. Speaking of, and I should have mentioned the other movies that I've seen, Vanilla Rice turned up in a movie I watched just last week. Well, when I say just last week, I finished it this week, but I've been watching it for about four weeks. And that is The Ridiculous Six. Which I think you did start mentioning in the last <laughs> podcast and you were starting watching it. it. It's a two-hour movie. It's not that bad, but it's not great. But what I kept watching going... This looks beautiful. Like, it's a gorgeous looking movie. And it's in the West. I'm thinking, well, you go and film in Monument Valley in America, it's going to look good no matter what. And then I looked at the credits. The cinematographer was Dean Semler, the Australian Academy Award winning cinematographer from Dance with the Wolves. It's like, okay, no wonder it looked good. (laughs) But it's just such a strange film. But Vanilla Rice turned up in that as Mark Twain. As you do. And is it, oh, Blake Shelton? 
that name rings a bell. I think he's a country listening. He was playing um, White Earp, so I think okay. there's two country and hip hop guy in there. So that, that was um, yeah, it was a strange film, but yeah, Vanilla Rice actor, hmm. or Rob Van Winkle actor. Yeah. So yes, country music people, rappers seem to be in a lot of movies. Snoop Dogg's been in apparently 37 films. Yeah, well, he was in Brooklyn Vampire. No, that was Eddie Murphy. He was, was in a van- Bones. He was, he Bones. was in some space vampire movie, wasn't he? Well, he was in Bo- Bones, I think it was called, and that was a vampire sort of film. I wonder if they count movies where he turns up as cameos in that 37. Like, yeah, he would be. Yeah, because yeah, he was in Pitch Perfect 2, but he was, he was playing okay. Snoop Dogg. Dogg's Doggy Style. Didn't he direct a porn? Did he? Yeah, I think it was Probably. called Porn, called Doggy Style. I can imagine. But he was pretty good as Huggy Bear in Starsky and Hutch. Mm-hmm. And... Getting back to Ice Cube, he was pretty good in 22 Jump Street, playing the chief. I never saw 22 Jump Street. Yeah, I should. It's not bad. It's all right. All right. But, yeah, other country music singers that have been in movies, Dwight Yoakam was very good in Sling Blade. Okay. I can't remember. I remember yeah. seeing the film. Mm-hmm. Well, he played the uh, abusive father. Okay. That ends up, I think, on the receiving end of the Sling Blade. Oh. So, yes. Um, Michael Jackson in Moonwalker. And The Wiz. The Wiz, yes. With Diana Ross in The Wiz, but she was terrible and has no business being in movies. Well, I'm not playing an 18-year-old girl when no. she's 47. So, yes, Diana Ross was pretty shitty in The Wiz. Should we talk about some bad examples of some sure. musicians turned actors? Yeah. Standout for me has to be Mick Jagger in Free Jack. Really? He was very bad. Really? Oh, mm. terrible. When he's, That bit where he's driving the tank. I don't know how recently you've seen it. I have not seen it for a very long time. <laughs> I, I saw it at the cinema and it's just burned into my head as being a very bad time. movie. <laughs> I was amazed. Look at all this virtual reality, computer graphic stuff. Yeah. Anything you, can happen. You've also got Britney Spears turning up in Crossroads, Crossroads mm-hmm. which was very bad. That's, that's like Jim and the Holograms. I just thought, eh, nothings. Hmm. But yeah, so Mariah Carey and Glitter. I was going to say, you can't really get any worse than Mariah Carey and Glitter. Mm-hmm. Probably not. We haven't I, talked about big ones. Like, what about Madonna and Swept Away? Yeah. yeah. She was all right in some movies. She was shitty in Dick Tracy. She was shitty in a lot. Probably. I haven't seen... I, I, I really don't want to go back and see, but desperately seeking Susan. She, she was all right in that, but then she was just pretty much playing herself. What about Cindy Lauper and Vibe? I don't remember that oh, movie. Vibe's where she was a clairvoyant with Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Madonna was all right in League of Their Own, wasn't she? Yeah, she was all right. Yeah, maybe we were giving but Madonna a bit of a raw deal. No, raw deal was unnecessary. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And that guy that looked like <laughs> Freddie Mercury, but wasn't. Or was that Commando? I think he's in both. <laughs> anyway, in he wasn't a, a musician-turned-actor. All right, so how do you look at someone like Jared Leto that started their career as an actor, went and formed a reasonably successful band, and has now returned to the acting? I don't know. I'm confused now. Hmm. But we, we haven't talked about Frank Sinatra. What's no? he, a singer or an actor? Academy Award-winning actor. He's a performer. Yeah, like Justin Timberlake. Yeah, and Elvis Presley. He was a singer and became an actor. Because he, he used to sing his lines. Isn't that the whole joke from Eddie Murphy's Raw? That he wasn't acting, he was just singing about lemonade and stuff. Sam Gorgeous. Dean Martin. A lot of the, the whole back pack. then. Yeah. yeah. So, yes, we've scratched the surface, I think. Well, you can go the. Oh, do you want to talk about actors who have a singing career then? Well, you could. Kylie Minogue. Yeah. She was an actor. She was in Street Fighter. That's true. <laughs> and you've got. Um, you just mentioned Eddie Murphy. So he must have party all the time. Yes. Adam Sandler. He he was a com- comedic singer who became an actor. Yes. And then you... See, I told you it was just going to be a list of things. Um, well, we didn't say we were going to watch all these movies. We're just going to talk about them. Bruce Willis, Under the Boardwalk. And you, did, did you know it? No, but you he did. You do not. I think you've found it. All right. Music. We'll dig that up. 
Yeah, he did. Bruce Willis is pretentious. And was he it. was in a blues band or something, wasn't he? Didn't he sing Get By With A Little Help From My Friends or something Probably. like that? I, I really got to see Hudson Hawk because there's a lot of singing in that. Because obviously he's, he fancies himself as a bit of a singer. I can remember there was a couple of Dream Sequence episodes on Moonlighting where he sang. Yeah, I think. I and mean, that, that's where Under the Boardwalk came out. It was like around Moonlighting time. We're talking early days. All right, I've got to dig this up to the end of the show. Yeah, so people like that. I mean, Hugh Lewis is an actor. He was in duets. And not just his cameo in Back to the Future. That's yeah. yeah. He was legitimately acting, wasn't he? Yeah. What, what, what would you call Ewan McGregor singing in? Well, he was an actor that actually sang for real, wasn't he? In the movie. Yeah. But he never really went on to become a singer. He had, did all right with that come what way. Yeah, but it's one from the One movie. song. Yeah. Hmm. At least he did well. Yes, I agree. All right. I don't think I can get much better than Ewan McGregor. No. no? I, I'm sure there is just lists and lists of yeah, pop startlet of the day that turned into an actress. Like Selena Gomez was in Spring Breakers. Miley Cyrus. She's an actor. Well, she's, well, a, she's, she's a character. <laughs> they released some records. I wouldn't call her either a singer or an actor. But, oh, you know. Damn you. Yes. You've got... Tom what? Jones. He was in Mars Attacks. Was he? <laughs> yes. All right. Like you, Tom Jones. Uh, you've got... What was her name? A liar? In Queen of the Damned? Mm. What was her name? Yeah, uh, a liar. A liar. Something like that. Mm. Haven't seen it. Don't know her music. Yeah. She was in what? Goldmember? And Pink Other Pan. stuff? Yep. So we, Dreamgirls, wasn't it? Was that the Aussie one? With Jessica no. Malboy? No. Yep. There's another one. Yeah. Any Aussies? Can we think of Aussies? Besides Kylie. Jason Donovan. He's the other way. He was an actor that became a singer. Mm-hmm. Guy Pearce. Was he an yeah, actor or a singer? He got one song out, I think. Bruce Sabazan. <laughs> Melissa Couch. <laughs> For younger listeners, they probably sit in there going, who are these Ooh, names? Natalie <laughs> Brulia. Yeah. Actor she, who became actor a singer. singer. But we've gone off topic now. We've gone reverse. Okay. Well, I, I said let's go reverse. All right. Because I don't want to go back to this topic ever again. <laughs> <laughs> no, because we are rambling. Yeah. Rambling Rose. I don't know. Is Neil Diamond an actor? Has he ever been anything? He jazz singer? In the jazz singer. Yeah. There you go. Great soundtrack. But that was Crackling Rosie, but that's how my brain works. Yeah. But yes, I'm sure there is lots. There's some good examples. There's some bad examples. There's just some examples. We just wanted to talk about beer for my horses. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we can't justify it unless we put it in a topic. Yeah. I look like Toby Keith. <laughs> and you look like Toby Keith. Exactly. Red Solo. Come. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe for the photo for this episode, I should dig up a picture of you in your cowboy hat and put it next to Toby Keith so we could let the listeners yeah. know that... <laughs> You are Toby Keith. But anyway, we've gone very long. Yes. We've talked about a lot of rubbish, mm-hmm. as usual. Yep. So I think it's probably a good place for us to wrap up this month. And we'll see you next month for episode 50, yeah. where we'll do something special. Asterix, maybe not this Maybe not. <laughs> and stay tuned, because you may actually see us before episode 50, when we are starting to launch our little mini-episodes that we're going to come through. Numbering even more. Exactly. Well, they won't be numbered. They'll be a side project. Okay. But they'll still be on the same feed. But anyway, stay tuned. But if you have any feedback for us, if you can think of any other actors that we should have mentioned, Chris Mm -hmm. Isaac, maybe? Oh, Twin Peaks. Firewalk with me. Yeah. Awesome. Chris Isaac show. No, that too. Yeah. Anyway. Billy Ray Cyrus. He was Doc. That's right. That was one of those shows that used to be on lunchtime yeah. on Channel 7 and I used and to watch was, it when I was away. And he was awesome in Mulholland Drive. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All right. Feedback. If you want to tell us what we've forgotten, what we should have mentioned, what we should never mention again, Toby Keith, send us some feedback. We are facebook.com slash the Massive Attack Podcast. I think that's how it works. We are the Massive Attack Podcast on pretty much all the social media. Look for us. Stitcher, iTunes, our website, which is the, the mapodcast.podbean.com. Drop us an email. Just let us know. And 
until a couple of weeks from now when you see our little mini and then we'll be back in March with as what Mitch says uh, Big 50 Big which 50. which will probably just be the same as any other episode who I'll knows I'll just be talking more about Toby Key. alright beer for my horses until next time <laughs> <laughs> and thank you Mitch The streets get so hot, we shall tie our feet with fireproof. Under the bow, down by the sea. All I like you and my baby, where Dogs and French fries